Well, this morning, uh, we're going to begin a brand new series together. And uh, how many know God's pretty awesome? Do y'all know that? God's pretty awesome. And he has an amazing way of just uh, knitting everything together. And everything that happened this morning is going to tie directly into what we're going to be talking about today, uh, which just God just, I mean, I just, I'm just in awe. I'm just standing in awe of the Lord this morning. He is so good. Uh, but today I'm excited because we're going to jump into this new sermon series entitled I Will. And we're going to look in Exodus chapter 6. Let me give you a little background real quick. In Exodus chapter 6, God is speaking to Moses and he is reaffirming his covenant promise to the nation of Israel. And in this scripture, in four verses, God declares seven I will. Seven times God declares, I will, I will, I will. And I hope you kind of underline them in your Bible or highlight them on your Bible app as you're working through it with me this morning. And we're going to kind of dive in over the next few weeks into those seven I wills because here's the good news of the gospel. Uh, all the promises of God, the Bible says, are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Jesus did not come to, to destroy the law. He came to fulfill the law so that all the promises of God are fulfilled in Christ. So that through Jesus, we have access into the promises of God. Amen? And what we're going to see through this study is that what God promised to the children of Israel in Exodus 6, God has fulfilled for us through Jesus Christ. And that we get to be partakers of the promises of God. And so as we kind of read this this morning, uh, I, I want you to just kind of grab hold of those little seven I wills this morning. Exodus 6 says this, And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians kept in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. So God is speaking to Moses. He says, Therefore say the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out. I will, there it is, bring you out from the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great judgments. I will take you as my people. I will be your God. And then you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will, there it is again, bring you into the land which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you as your heritage, for I am the Lord. And verse 9 says, So Moses told the people of Israel what the Lord had said, but they refused to listen anymore. They had become too discouraged by the brutality of their Slavery. Now, look at that first point on your outline because I was super excited really to jump into the I wills. Uh, but before uh, we get to jump into the I wills, the Holy Spirit checked my heart this week. He said, Keith, he said, before I said I will, I said something else. And I want you to see that. Before God said I will, God said this. He said, I have heard. I have heard the groans of my people. And I want you to see that today, how significant it is. God said, I have heard the groans of my people. And I want you to know that as New Testament believers, that's me and you here today, as New Testament believers, we have hope that God will. How I many know God will do what he said he would do? Amen? God will accomplish what he said he will accomplish. God will fulfill every promise and every prophecy that has ever been spoken. God will. God says, I will. And guess what? God will because, listen to this, because God hears. God hears our prayers. God hears our cries. God hears our groans. And the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. God hears. God hears our prayers, God hears our cries, God hears our groans. How many know some of the best prayers you pray didn't have any words attached to them? The prayers of your tears, the prayers of your groans, the prayers of the size of your heart. And I want you to understand that God hears those groans. 
God hears the deepest, darkest agonies of your soul. God hears you when nobody else hears you. When you're laying in your bed at night, crying yourself to sleep, God hears. When you're agonizing internally over the things that are going on in your family, God hears. God hears your groans. God hears your cries. And God hears our prayers. And as, as I was praying over this message, the Lord said, Keith, I want you to talk about prayer. I want you to talk today about the significance of prayer. And Jennifer just over and over talked about our words and declaring and decreeing how our words matter and how we've got to speak the word, how we've got to take authority. Because I want you to understand something today. Today, we're going to look at how significant prayer is. And I want to share with you three elements of prayer, or three, three unique distinctions of prayer that I think that maybe we're not fully grabbing hold of and tapping into this morning. And so when you think about prayer, let me just give you a simple thought real quick, a, a definition of prayer. Prayer is not getting God to do your will. God is getting, in, getting yourself in alignment and agreement with the will of God. Prayer is not getting God to do your will. Prayer is getting an alignment and agreement with the will of God for your life. So I want you to look with me at what 1 John says. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 says this. Now this is the confidence. Listen to what John the Apostle says. This is the confidence that we have in Him, speaking of in God or in Christ, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And we know that if He hears us, then whatever we ask, we know that we will have the petitions that we have asked for. So John says this. He said, here's the confidence we can have in prayer. That if we ask anything according to God's will, God hears us. And if God hears us, then we know God's going to do what we've asked Him to do. And the reason, let me say this to you today. The reason I think many Christians, I mean, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a Christian that doesn't believe in prayer. But you're also going to be hard-pressed to find a Christian that actually practices prayer. That really prays. That really devotes time and energy and effort into their life to a time of prayer. To really intercede, living that praying life. Jennifer talked about this morning. We, we don't need to wait till all hell breaks loose in our life before we start praying. We need to live a praying life. We need to live a life of prayer, and we need to pray in season and out of season, and we need to pray consistently and constantly. And what I want us to see today is there's really three expressions of prayer. First of all, I want you to see this. We can pray with our understanding. We get to pray with our understanding. We can, we can pray asking God anything according to His will. And why is that important? Because I can only pray God's will according to my understanding of God's Word. I can only pray God's will according to my understanding of God's Word. You want to know why? When you come to church at Liberty Church, we talk about a lot. You need to read the Bible. You need to study the Bible. You need to read the Bible. You need to study the Bible. You need to read the Bible. You need to study the Bible. You know why we say that over and over again? Because you can't know the will of God unless you understand the Word of God. And it's God's Word that reveals God's will. God, through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, reveals His will. He reveals His heart. He reveals His purpose. He reveals His plan. He reveals His passion for your life. And here's the good news. You don't even have to be a good reader anymore. All you've got to do is be a good listener because your Bible app will read the Bible to you. Right? You don't even have to be a good reader. All you got to do is be a good listener, and you can listen to the Word. Why? Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And so the first element of prayer is that we pray according to our understanding of the Word, 
Therefore, we can pray the will. So the more I understand the Word of God, the more I can pray the will of God for my life. And again, if prayer is not about getting God to do my will, if prayer is about getting me in alignment and agreement with God to do His will, then I've got to know the will in order to pray effectively. And so let me just challenge you in this. If you do not have a daily reading plan, if you do not have a plan, where I were to ask you today, what are you reading in the Scripture? What's your plan for the next 30 days? If you can't tell me what your plan for the next 30 days of reading the Scripture is, then you don't have a plan. Well, you know, Pastor Keith, I just open up let the Spirit lead me. I call that Bible bingo. <laughs> and you know what I found out playing bingo? Most of the time I lose. I don't need to play Bible bingo. I need a strategic plan. I need to make a commitment that I'm going to read the Word of God. Maybe I'm going to read a Proverbs a day. Maybe I'm going to read a Psalms a day. Maybe I'm going to read the book of John. Maybe I'm going to read the book of James. Maybe I'm going to do a study through the Old Testament. Maybe I'm going to crack open my Bible app and look at the 55,000 Bible reading plans that are there and find one on any topic that I might be interested in. But I am going to have a plan. Personally, right now, my plan, I'm reading through the New Testament this year. I'm taking a slow scroll through the New Testament. I'm reading one chapter a day, and I'm in the book of Luke. And I'm reading one chapter a day through the book, through the New Testament. Kelly's reading the whole Bible this year. She's doing a reading plan through the Scripture. I think Samantha's doing book of something. She was doing Nehemiah. I don't know what you're doing now prophets she's doing the minor prophets anyway whatever it is it doesn't matter read the Bible <laughs> read the Bible why because you're gonna have to pray according to your understanding and if you don't understand the scripture you won't know the will of God for your life and here's the good news God is not obligated to answer your will but God is obligated to do his will and he will do his will so prayer again is not about getting God to do what I want and the reason many people are frustrated with prayer is because they give God this big old list and God's not performing quick enough. Right? You ever got frustrated with God? I'm going to just be honest with you. I've got frustrated with God. I'm like, Lord, I gave you the list. I emailed it to you. I texted it to you. I mean, I even, at face, I mean, I even, I even you know, put it through Messenger, did all those different things. And Lord, what are you not doing? I mean, here's my list. Why aren't you doing anything? Well, God said, that's not my will. That's your will. Now, the realization, I can accomplish my will without God. But I can't accomplish God's will without God. So I need to know the will of God. How do I do that? I have to understand His will through His Word. And let me give you some good news today. God wants to speak to you. And if you will, with a hungry heart, read the Bible, God will speak to you. Let me say it again. If you will, with a hungry heart, read the Bible, God will speak to you. And I tell people all the time, the greatest revelation you're ever going to get from God is not going to be what you hear in a sermon. It's going to be what you hear from God by the Holy Spirit as He speaks to you specifically in your own quiet time. Those are going to be the great nuggets that are going to shape your life. Amen? So we pray according to our understanding, which means I have to be committed to the Word of God. But look at the last part of that last outline. And then the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. There's, there's another element of prayer that happens. How many of you know that we have a, a heavenly interceder? The Bible says that Jesus 
is at the right hand of God the Father where he forever lives to intercede for us. So in heaven, Jesus has the ear of God, amen? And he is interceding for us. But we also have another interceder that is interceding, literally praying for us, and that is the Holy Spirit. If you're born again, come on somebody, if you're born again, then the Spirit of God lives and dwells on the inside of you, and he is interceding for you. Look what the Bible says in Romans 8, verse 26 and 27. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. How many have ever been there where you didn't understand what the will of God was? You didn't know what you needed to pray for. I mean, sometimes there's a lot of good options, but I don't want a good option. I want the God option. Come on, somebody. And so the Bible says the Holy Spirit helps our weaknesses for when we don't know what God wants us to pray for. The Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Groanings that cannot be expressed in words. For, and the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Guess what happens? Not only do we get to pray according to our understanding of the Word of God and the will of God, but the Holy Spirit actually prays for us. And let me just give you this thought. He prays for us independent of us. Right now, when you come to a rock and a hard place, right now the Holy Spirit intercedes for you. When you don't know what to pray and you don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes for you. In your weakness, He stands in the gap. And the Bible says He prays the will of God for your life. And we know it's true. Think about this. How many times in your life have you blindly made a decision and somehow it ended up being the right decision? You ever done that? I mean, you made a decision, and you really didn't know what the right thing to do, and you just thought, well, i got to choose something, so I'm going to choose this one. And all of a sudden, you chose the right path. You met the right person. You were in the right place. You were talking to the right person. You were, you were, you were typing at the right time. You were, you were uh, social media with the right group of people, and all of a sudden, you got connected. You got hooked up. You got all of a sudden, whatever it was you needed, there it was. Why? Because the Spirit of God is interceding for you. So we get to pray with our understanding, and then the Holy Spirit prays for us, the Bible says, with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. That's how I know the Holy Spirit's a guy, because he grunts. How <laughs> I many know guys got a whole grunting language, right? But grunts of the Spirit don't sound near as spiritual as the groans of the Spirit. That sounds really cool, don't it? The groanings of the Holy Spirit. But there's another element. Look at that next point on your outline. There's another element I want us to see here. So not only does the Holy Spirit empower us to live victorious lives, but he also prays for us according to the will of God. We just read that. Then I want you to see a third element of prayer. And when we pray in the Spirit, we pray the will of God because the Spirit is praying through us. And when we pray in the Spirit, we pray the will of God because the Spirit of God is praying through us. Let me give you a third element of prayer. The first element is we pray according to our understanding. As we understand the Word of God, we can pray the will of God. And then the Holy Spirit prays for us, independent of us. And now this third element, now the Holy Spirit prays through us. Through what the Bible calls praying in the Spirit. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know that I've ever really just taught a whole little message on, on praying in the Spirit. So I'm going to do it this morning. Y'all with me? Okay. So let me talk to you why this is important. Let me tell you what I learned several years ago. Years ago, actually. I learned that when you see something that is contra controversial in Scripture, our natural tendency is where there is controversy, we just kind of back away from it. And we kind of push back and we're just not going to touch that. 
And I'll be honest with you, when we started Liberty Church almost 22 years ago, when we started the church, that was kind of my philosophy. I really felt like I heard the Lord say, he said, Keith, I want you to focus on the things that unite us instead of the things that divide us. And so I took that to mean we're going to focus on those things that are not controversial, and we're just going to focus on Jesus crucified and resurrected, and that's good because that's the foundation stone of everything. But then I realized something along the way. I realized that anything that unites us as people but separates us from God is not a good thing. And so when God says something is good, and God creates a gift to be in, enjoyed by the church and used to empower the church to do the will of God, then we've got to embrace the gifts that God gives us or else we come short of the glory of God. And so all of a sudden, I began to recognize that years ago, and I began to understand the significance of working through those things that God has established in our lives. And so when you talk about praying in the Spirit, it's also called many times praying in tongues. And so we all know when you say tongues, boy, I mean, we kind of had a little experience with that this morning. And some of you were like freaking out, what in the world is that? And some of you were like jumping up and down saying that's awesome. And some of you were just like, I wonder what's going to happen next. <laughs> so we had a message in tongues. We had an interpretation of a tongue and another interpretation of a tongue. I didn't hear the last one hardly. And that is the divine order of God. If you speak to men in tongues, the Bible says in an assembly, you're supposed to interpret it. And if you don't interpret it, you're out of order. Okay? So we saw a tongue and interpretation, and we saw people get touched and touched, touched and healed by God this morning in this altar. Amen? Amen. So, Instead of backing away from controversy, let me encourage you in this. Here's, here's the revelation I got. The Lord said, Keith, he said, anytime there is controversy around Scripture, Satan wants you to draw back. He said, but if he's creating controversy around Scripture, you need to press in. Because there is a spiritual truth there that you need to discover and you need to operate in. And so I'm just going to read the Bible to us this morning. Is that Okay. And we're going to just talk a little bit about what does it mean to pray in the Spirit. And this is why I think this is important. I think it's important because I think it's a missing link for many Christians. Christians are praying with their understanding, but unfortunately our understanding is limited. The Holy Spirit is praying for us. Praise God, He fills in the gaps. But there is another element of prayer where the Holy Spirit can pray through us and we can begin to decree and declare by the Spirit the will of God. And how many of you know that when you decree and declare by the Spirit the will of God, you're coming into agreement with God and you're aligning yourself with Him? That's what faith is. Faith agrees with God. How do I know when I'm in faith? I know when I'm in faith when what I'm saying and what I'm doing agrees with God. If I'm saying something that disagrees with God, I'm not in faith. I'm in fear. I might be in intellect. I might even be in sin, but I'm not in faith. Faith agrees with God. So when I pray in the Spirit, it allows me to utter, not by my understanding, but by the revelation of God, the will of God over my life, and it brings me into a place of agreement with God where I can receive from and then walk in the very Everything that God wants to do in me. Amen? So let's read the Bible together. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and we're going to read several scriptures here because we don't have a time to read the whole chapter. You can go home and read the whole chapter. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2. Paul says this. He says, For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God. 
since people won't be able to understand you. So, let me just stop for a second. Paul uses speaking in tongues, and Paul uses praying in the Spirit as the same phrase. He, he interjects those one on another. We're going to see that in just a minute. But Paul says here, he's really talking about when he says speaking in tongues, he's talking about praying in the Spirit. And then he makes this little statement. He says, if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. So let me ask you a question. What do we call it when people talk to God? Prayer, Prayer right? So he's talking about praying right here. When somebody's talking to God, they're praying. I'm not praying right now, okay? I'm preaching because I'm talking to People, y'all are smart. Come on, y'all help me out. We are people. All right. So listen to what he says. He says, you'll be talking only to God, and since people won't be able to understand you, you will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. You'll be speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's going to empower you to speak or pray in the Spirit or to pray in tongues. Why? Because you're going to be speaking mysteries. The word mystery means a hidden thing. It's a revealed thing. So all of a sudden, what God is going to do through the Holy Spirit when we pray in the Spirit is we begin to speak out the mysteries of God, those things that are hidden from our understanding but are made known by God through the Holy Spirit. We begin to decree and declare those things and all of a sudden, we come into agreement with God through our intercession and through our prayer. Amen? All right. Look at verse 14. He says, For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I am saying. So if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, and I don't understand what I'm praying. Look at verse 15. He says, What then? What shall I do? I love this. I will pray in the Spirit, and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. So Paul says this. He said, I'm going to pray in the Spirit, and I'm going to pray with my understanding. He said, when I understand the Word and the will of God, I'm going to pray God's Word and God's will over my life. But when I don't have understanding of God's will, I'm going to pray in the Spirit, because the Spirit always prays the will of God. And so now I've got a tool, I've got a weapon of warfare through prayer in the Spirit that allows me to decree and declare God's Word and come into agreement with God for my life. For all you folks that raised your hands that you're raising teenagers, let me just tell you something. There are going to be moments you're not going to know what to pray. Lord, kill them, don't work. And you're going to need the Holy Spirit. We told our kids growing up, hey, we got the Holy Spirit. There's nothing you can do that we won't find out about. We may not find out today. We may not find out tomorrow. But I'll just be, be known for sure. God sees. And we hear what God sees. <laughs> and we can pray in the Spirit. And we can intercede for our kids. Because they're out there doing Lord knows what. Come on. Your kids aren't that holy. I've seen them out on town. Come on. And mine aren't either, praise God. A couple of them are doing pretty good, praise the Lord. I'm bragging on y'all. Ian and Jessica, we'll pray for them, won't we? I hope they're watching online. Maybe they are. Next verse. Look at verse 15. Verse, I'm sorry, verse 18. He says, I thank God... This Apostle Paul, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. Why, why did I put that verse there? I want us to read that verse because the Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. 
Every person in this room, probably every person in this room that has ever come to faith in Jesus Christ probably came to faith in Jesus Christ through some of the teaching of the Apostle Paul. Paul's letters to the church, two-thirds of the New Testament, were probably critical in me and you coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And here's the Apostle Paul, and he says, Hey, guys, I just want you to know that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So if the Apostle Paul prayed in the Spirit and spoke in tongues, then we ought to recognize this is a legitimate gift to the body of Christ that needs to be utilized for the purpose of fulfilling and doing the will of God in the earth. Amen? Now look at verse 19. He says, But in a church meeting I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. So what happened this morning, and we didn't have the scripture here, but it's 1 Corinthians 14. The Bible says if somebody speaks a message in tongues, which happened this morning, then there has to be an interpreter. And if there's not an interpreter, you need to be quiet. Why? Because everything that we do corporately is intended for corporate edification. Let me use this little phrase. I said it this morning at 8 o'clock. Brother Curtis said he liked it, so I'm going to say it again, Brother Curtis. Thank you. The gifts of the Spirit are not for Sunday morning spectacles. We're not, cry, we're not trying to create a Sunday morning spectacle. The gifts of the Spirit are the tools that God gives us for personal prayer and intercession and for corporate ministry to go to a new level. I'm just going to tell you what happened this morning in the altar would not have happened without a word and interpretation. And Jennifer began it right up here. And none of that would have happened. And you might say, well, Pastor Keith, I didn't get anything out of it. Well, the four or five people that came up, they would disagree with you. And how many you know that God loves you enough, he'll wreck a whole service just for you? He'll just show up, turn the whole thing in a whole different direction just for you. He loves you that much. God loves you that much that he'll just turn a whole service. And praise God, I was in tune with the Holy Spirit. I done had to know this was coming. I'm so excited. So, but in a church meeting, I'd rather speak five understandable words than 10,000 words in unknown tongues. So, so the gifts of the Spirit are not for Sunday morning spectacles. It's for personal prayer and ministry and the power of God to minister to the local church. And God displays His glory, right? Displays His glory through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So let me just, I'm going to say one more thing. We're going to move on to our last point because it's important. I'm going to hang out there for just a few minutes. So let me just challenge you this. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Keith, that is the craziest thing I ever heard. I do not want to speak in tongues. I do not want to pray in the Spirit, however you want to call it. I'm not interested in it. Wonderful. We love you. You're welcome at Liberty. Let's do church together. Let's do life together. And we're going to run hard after God and change the world, okay? But if you are here this morning, you say, Pastor Keith, I want that and I need that. Let me give you a simple, simple answer right here it is. Just ask for it. 1 Corinthians 12 says that the gift of tongues is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, all you got to do is ask. So if you desire to be able to pray in the Spirit, I'm going to tell you it's one of the greatest tools that Kelly and I use in our daily lives. And if you desire that gift in your life, just ask for it. It's not weird. It's not goofy. It's not crazy. It's not none of that stuff. It's God. Okay? And you can have it. If you don't want it and you're not interested in it, that doesn't change anything. We're going to keep serving God together. We're going to keep loving God together. We're going to keep building the kingdom together. Okay? But if you want it, it's yours. Amen? Jesus paid for it so you could have access to all that he offers us. Amen? All right, look at this last point with me. So God hears our prayers, and we pray with our understanding. The Holy Spirit prays for us, and now we allow the Holy Spirit to pray through us by praying in the Spirit. God hears our prayers, but we have to listen to his word. Look at this last point. This is huge. 
We have to refuse to allow discouragement and unforgiveness to rob us of faith to believe His promises. We have to refuse to allow discouragement and unforgiveness to rob us of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And it's the prayer of faith that saves the sick and the Lord raises them up. It's the prayer of faith that gets answered. It's the prayer of faith that moves the mountain. It's the prayer of faith that transforms the hearts and lives of people. And one of the greatest schemes of the enemy is simply this. Satan wants to use discouragement and unforgiveness to rob you of faith and move you to a place of unbelief and bitterness where you can't receive what God has for you. Now, I want to reread the, one of our opening scriptures, Exodus 6, the last verse, verse 9, says this. So Moses told the people of Israel what God had said, but they refused to listen anymore. They had become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. Now, let me give you a little backstory. Exodus chapter 4, Moses has had this burning bush experience with God. He now comes to the children of Israel who are in Egyptian bondage for over 400 years. And when he comes to them, he steps on the scene and he says, guess what, guys? God is going to set you free. And they're like, "Woo!" I mean, they're like fired up, excited, right? God sends Moses. He's got a word from God. God's going to set them free. They're going to come out of Egyptian bondage. Over 400 years of oppression is going to be broken, and they're going to enter into a promised land. So Moses gives them this awesome word from God. They get excited. They get fired up. They get enthusiastic. And then Moses goes to Pharaoh. Y'all remember that? And he says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no. Y'all remember that story? Pharaoh says no. And not only does Pharaoh say no, Pharaoh then makes it harder on the children of Israel. He takes the straw away. Now they got to gather their own straw to make the bricks, and he increases their workload. So all of a sudden, they get this awesome promise from God. They get this amazing word from God, and instead of things getting easier, life got harder. And now two chapters later, Moses comes with another word from God, and the Bible says they refuse to listen because they had become too discouraged by the hardship they were under. And when I read that, I thought, God, that's us. How many times in your life have you got a word from God and got fired up? I'm talking about fired up, excited. And you're like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live for Jesus. And then all hell broke loose. Right? Man, I've been sitting on the back burner way too long. I'm coming out, God. I'm going to run hard after you. And then, bam, Monday morning comes and all hell breaks loose. Physical, financial, relational problems all of a sudden explode in your life. And then it gets hard. And then it gets harder. And then it even gets harder. And before you know it, you've done forgot about the promise. Because all you're trying to do is survive the problem. And then you come to church a few weeks later and Pastor Keith stands up here and says, I got a word from God. And you're like, well, you know, last time. <laughs> last time I really got excited about Jesus, you know, I lost my job. 
My wife got diagnosed with cancer. My kids went in the hospital. My spouse said they didn't love me anymore and they wanted a divorce. Last time I got a word from God, all hell broke loose. And I want you to understand something. I think we need to learn a lesson from the children of Israel. And here's the lesson I think we need to learn. The resistance and opposition that we face when we grab hold of the promises of God are a sign, hear this, are a sign that the promises of God are true. If they're not true, then why in the heck would the devil come against you? If there's not power in the promise, then why would he oppress you? And why would he resist you? And why would he discourage you? If there was no power to the promise, the devil would say, just go ahead and believe that promise. Everything will be all right. Nothing had changed. But he knows there's power in the promise. He knows that on the other side of the resistance, there is a reward directly connected to the promise of God that he's spoken over your life. But Satan uses discouragement to discourage us from having faith to believe the promise. And we end up disengaging from the promise. I've seen it. I don't know how many times somebody comes to me and says, Pastor Keith, i got this great vision for this great ministry. And I say, go. And then they go and all hell breaks loose. And then they say, oh, no, I don't want to do this anymore. I didn't know it was going to be this hard. I can't do this anymore. i got problems at home. Well... Welcome to the war zone. It happens. But the resistance should not discourage you. It should encourage you. If all hell is breaking loose to keep you from doing the thing God's calling you to do, then there must be some value and validity to the promise that God gave you. And we got to just be bulldogged, hard-headed enough. Right? we got to be bulldog hard-headed enough that when all hell breaks loose, we let go of everything but the promise of God. And we hold on to that promise. And we push to that promise. And we press to that promise. And we fight for that promise because God is faithful. Now, let me give you one last point right here. Mark 11. I want you to look at this scripture with me. Mark 11 is some of the greatest scripture on faith and prayer. And I want you to see what Jesus says. Mark 11, Jesus has cursed the fig tree, and they come by the next day, and the fig tree has died. And now Jesus, uh, the disciples say, look at the fig tree, Jesus, you curse, it's all dead. And Jesus says this in verse 22, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So let me just tell you something real quick. Sometimes you don't need to pray to God, sometimes you need to speak to your mountain. That's called prophesying. Sometimes you don't need to pray. You need to prophesy. You need to look at that mountain and you need to command it in the name of Jesus to move out of the way. You need to speak the word of God over your mountain and command it to move. But then Jesus shifts from that prophetic declaration to prayer. Look what he says in verse 24. He says, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. When you pray, you got to believe you receive, right? you got to have faith. you got to pray in faith in order to receive what God has for you. But look at verse 25. I always thought this seemed out of place to me. And Jesus says, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I always thought, God, that's kind of weird. I mean, you kind of shifted gears pretty quick there. You went from prayer and faith and moving mountains to forgiveness. 
And the Lord said, Keith, he said, Satan uses discouragement and he uses unforgiveness to rob us of faith. Because how many of you understand that if you have bitterness and resentment in your heart toward another person, it's hard to have faith toward God that he's going to move your mouth. Because the Bible says in 1 John that our own hearts will condemn us. See, when I know that I'm holding on to something I shouldn't be holding on to, it's hard for me to pray in faith. Because I know I'm holding on to some things I should be letting go of. In my own heart, God doesn't condemn me, but my own heart will condemn me. And it will rob me of faith because I know I've got bitterness and resentment in my heart toward another person. And it's hard for me to have unforgiveness towards you and have faith toward God all at the same time. And then the Lord just connected the dots for me this week. He said, Keith, many times in discouragement, when, when life gets hard, this is what happens. Our natural tendency is we want to blame somebody. We want to blame somebody. When life gets hard, we want to blame somebody. Maybe we want to blame our spouse, or we want to blame our kids, we want to blame our employer, we want to blame the government. And all of a sudden, we go from discouragement to bitterness. And now we're, we have bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness in our heart because now we're blaming somebody for our pain. And all of a sudden, we have been robbed of faith. We have been moved to fear. We're in a place of unbelief, and we can't receive anything that God has. So we've got to refuse. Hear me, guys. We've got to refuse. God hears our prayers, but we have to continually hear His Word, and we've got to refuse to allow discouragement and unforgiveness to rob us of faith. Amen. I want you just to bow your heads with me today, if you would. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a minute. I want to do two things today. If you're here today and you're a believer and you know that you know that without a shadow of a doubt, Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, then I want to challenge you with two things as a believer this morning. Here's the challenge I want to give you. Number one, is there any discouragement or unforgiveness in your heart right now that's robbing you of faith? Is there anybody you need to forgive this morning? Is there anything you just need to give to God? And maybe you've become discouraged and life's been hard and family's been hard and finances have been hard and you've just become overwhelmed to the point that you can't even hear what God has to say anymore. You just need to give that to God and confess it as sin. God, I confess my discouragement is sin today. Lord, I've put my hope in the wrong thing. And today I ask you to forgive me. And if there's somebody in your life that maybe you've blamed for the pain in your life, and maybe they're guilty, let's just be honest, maybe they are the cause of your pain. Unforgiveness in your heart and bitterness toward them does not help you, it hurts you. It doesn't enable you to press into God, it actually keeps you from drawing near to Him. So I want to encourage you this morning, say, God, I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. And let me just say this to you. Forgiveness doesn't mean that what they did wasn't wrong. It just means you don't want to allow what they did to control you anymore. I don't want to be controlled by their sin, by their poor decision, by their actions. God, I want to forgive them. And so, Lord, I choose to forgive. So if you're a believer today, that's the two questions for you. Is there anything in your life that has that discouraged you that you need to give to God? Is there any area of your life where you've got unforgiveness that you need to forgive somebody this morning. And, and let me give you one more challenge real quick. I'm sorry. Let me give you one more thought. As a believer, I want to ask you today, are you utilizing the full power of prayer? Maybe you're praying with your understanding, but if you're not praying in the Spirit, I believe there's a whole tool that God has given you that's not being utilized in your toolbox. I want to encourage you today. Maybe you're like me, and I just said, God, I want everything you got. Maybe that's your prayer this morning. That's a great prayer. I live by that prayer. God, I want everything you've got for me. 
So maybe you need to just say, God, I want everything you got. I want to function fully in my life of prayer, God. I want to pray according to my understanding. And Lord, I thank you that you pray for me. But Lord, I also want you to pray through me. I want to pray and decree your word and your will over my life. So Lord, I want the gifts of the Spirit in me today. So if that's you right now, you can just ask God right where you're at for that. He'll give it to you. He's a good father. Now the last thing I want to do, every head bowed, every eye closes. Maybe you're here this morning and you realize, you know what, Pastor Keith? I'm not a believer. I'm not a Christian. I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. But today's the day. And right now, God's been dealing with your heart. And it's not about a message that I preached or even a song that we sung today. It's about the fact that the God of heaven loves you. And whether you're in person or whether you're online, He's dealing with your heart right now. He's calling you to come to Him because He cares. Because you matter to Him. You're not insignificant and you're not invisible. You are significant and you are powerful to God. He loves you and He chooses you. And this morning, if you want to accept Him as your Lord and Savior, I want to ask you just to do something very simple. Because faith without works is dead. So here's a simple act of faith. If you're here today, you say, today, Pastor Keith, I want to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want you just to raise your hand. Just all over this building, just raise your hand right now. His hands are starting to go up. Our ushers, you can leave your hand up. Our ushers are going to come put a little packet in your hand. And we're going to pray together. But if you'll raise your hand, we're going to pray with you in just a minute. We're going to put a packet in your hand. You can hold on to that. If you're watching online, just hit that little hand emoji or just type in the comment box. I'm raising my hand right now. Because Jesus died for you. God loves you. You're not alone. You're not abandoned. You've been chosen by God, and He cares about you. And if you're here today in person or you're watching online, it's just a simple act of faith. Is there anyone else here today? Anyone in the room this morning that says, Today I want to pray to accept Christ. You can just raise your hand right now. We'd love to pray with you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you've raised your hand, either here in person or watching online, let's say this prayer together. I'm going to ask everybody in the room to repeat it with me. Let's say it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe He rose again on the third day. I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and my life and be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you today. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer today, there's a card on the front of that packet you received. If you'd fill that out and give that to one of our ushers today, we'd love to follow up with you and just help you take those next steps. If you prayed that prayer online, there's a link there you can cl click, and we'd love to follow up with you and help you. God bless you this morning. Have a great day. Remember our youth parent meeting in the youth room. Uh, if you haven't signed up for a small group, make sure to do so today. Amen. We love you guys. Have a great day in the Lord.